baby. Yes, sir! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. I'm your host, JT. I have a special, special interview for you today uh, with a unique story, unique guy, and uh, I think you'll enjoy hearing about um, what became some guy's backyard. Uh, Before we get to that interview, obviously want to do a, a quick shout out. To our primary sponsor, obviously Chalk Luxury Sports Bar right there in Chisholm Creek here in Oklahoma City. Uh, We are officially at football season. We have OU, OSU, Tulsa, NFL about to fire off with the 106 televisions uh, that Chalk has inside literally your team. Whether you're from here or from somewhere else, they will tune up your game and you can enjoy uh, the best sports viewing experience in Oklahoma. That is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Today, we are joined uh, by a guy who uh, I would actually say become a little bit of a friend of mine over the past couple years. Um, That would be Ben Hotaling. Ben, uh, first of all, welcome to the pod. Yes, thank you for having me. And you, you got my last name right, which is very, very rare. So much appreciated. That's good stuff. Uh, is it rare? Okay. I mean, I, to me, it's like it's kind of sounds like it's spelled, but you know, maybe some people look at it and think it's supposed to be pronounced in a different way. But hoteling seems pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, hodling, man. That's what everybody says. Hodling. Okay. Okay. Well, how, how about this? What I'm, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You know, give give I gave I gave your name. You give me your profession. Ooh. See, now you've tricked me because I have no idea what that is. Um, yeah, Ben Hotailing, I work for uh, No Laying Up full time. Um, I, you know, I guess I'd consider myself like a Swiss army knife for them. Okay. Um, I do a lot of, of video work, both recording video, editing video. Um, but my my main, my steady heartbeat is um, like social assets. So I run Instagram, do some stuff for the Twitter, uh, you know, when it's not on Solly's watch during game day. Um, and, and we'll, you know, work on, uh, like social assets and stuff like that for YouTube and trailers and going through footage and all that stuff as well. So do all that. And then I also work heavily with our, uh, with the nest. So our, our community basis within the no laying up, uh, sphere. So I, I, uh, manage, you know, the refuge and we've been doing a lot with, um, actually events, getting up and meeting together, uh, and taking the, the refuge, the online message board experience to real life. So that's, that's what I've been working on here last uh, about a year. I like the Swiss army knife uh, description because I, knowing what you do, I would, that's a, that's an apt one. Um, you know, kind of a little bit of a crossover conversation in terms of our, our content, uh, today, um, we w- will have folks listening to this that are, that are hardcore, no laying up fans, you know, from, from inception refuge, you mentioned the, uh, the, the online message board, uh, based, uh, with no laying up. We also are going to talk heavily uh, about the par three course that, uh, you designed, built and maintain, um, right there in Kansas city. 
So, you know, we, we have we have kind of a, a big cross-section of people listening to this and probably folks that have no idea what any of that is. And so it'll be interesting as we uh, I kind of guide us through the next 30, 45 minutes on uh, providing context to everybody. But I do, I do want to start with the... Um, the Some Guy's Backyard, as you deemed it uh, several years ago now, uh, that would be Bruff Creek National, the name of the uh, the golf course that you guys constructed up there on a, what, about three, three and a half acre piece of property uh, just outside Kansas City. So let me start with somewhat of a, a long form question here. Just where did the idea for creating a what you guys call a backyard golf. I mean, it's a, it's a substantial backyard. You know, we're not envisioning like the suburbs and having a little, you know, one hole out in the backyard, fairly big piece of property, but where did the, uh, the idea for creating a backyard golf course originally stem from? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and I don't know exactly where it came from, but it, it came and it came quick and it came, uh, um, aggressively towards, you know, now having established a, a you know, fully fledged and, and managing a golf course for the last three and a half, four years. So, um, you know, the idea, honestly, the more I think about it, the further I get away from kind of inception and that whole period, because that was a very interesting time in my life when it, it came to um, beginning the project. I, I think like many people uh, that'll be listening to this or many people that, uh, work in corporate America or, uh, you know, in a job that they might not love. Uh, it was, a, it was an opportunity. It was something that I could focus on, something that I could dive into. Um, I was super, super passionate about and really kind of took me through my day. Now it got a little over the top to the point where my work was definitely secondary to what I was doing out at, at BCN, uh, Bruff Creek national, but, um, it ended up working out in my favor, you know, put a lot of energy effort and, and, um, learned a lot of things out there that have now carried me into this new life that I live. So, but, you know, going back a little bit, I have always envisioned or always, uh, experienced golf in a backyard setting with friends, joking, having a good time. Um, I learned how to play golf. I had moved to uh, Northwestern Massachusetts when I was, gosh, I think I was in third grade and yeah. there was a kid that was exactly my age that lived a couple doors down and he had a, uh, a large hill that went up to his house. We, we all had property three, four, five acres, something like that in this, this uh, neighborhood street, whatever you want to call it. And he was just firing wedges off the, uh, off the top of his, you know, property down closer to the road. And I was just like, man, you know, I, I like golf, right? I've, I'd played with my grandpa a couple times and I was a big baseball player. So like that concept was always kind of resonated with me. So, you know, he had a little area that he would hit shots to, and he made this, you know, decidedly stupid, um, par three. That was a dog leg on a, you know, what I assumed to be an 80 <laughs> yard piece of property. So, um, we'd hit down there and it was, it was all dirt. The green was all dirt. So we, it was under trees. So we had, uh, raked it all out and, uh, you know, dug a cup with a little garden shovel, that type of thing. And we'd, we just play it constantly. And then we'd start messing around and got to know the neighbors and stuff. We'd go into their yards and play to that hole, all that stuff. So that's how I learned about golf. That's how I fell in love with golf. Um, then I moved to Connecticut where we had 11 acres, maybe just a little shy of 11 acres oh, wow, out there. Okay. Um, my dad and I had, it was all forest land and we had taken down, 
um, about six acres to create horse pastures. Uh, my mom was into the horses at the time. Um, so we did a lot of work, a lot of effort for that. And, you know, naturally I was like, Hey, I'm going to make another little golf hole out here. My golf life, everything had progressed, um, since being in Massachusetts and I'd got become a better player and played somewhat competitively and was getting, you know, ready for high school. So, um, I just roll out the back door, use my little push mower that my dad would let me use and, um, would go crazy, you know, drawing greens in the grass and, um, hitting to a little yellow flag out in the distance. So that's just been something that I've, I've always done. And it's not necessarily like, you know, if you were to ask me when I was in eighth grade, like, tell me about your golf experience or golf life. I don't think I would mention that I had a little spot that I would, you know, dig out of the grass and, um, and hit wedges on. And, and honestly, I really, uh, expected myself to be very, very good. So it wasn't necessarily, um, I didn't use it how I, I do now. Right. I would use it to actually like grind and get <laughs> frustrated when I wasn't hitting it well. And like, um, you know, it's like my little, own little range, 125 yard shot or something sure. like that. So again, didn't think anything of it. it was just like, yeah, we all have property. I'm just going to hit shots out here. That's just what I'm going to do. So that continued. Um, I did move to Kansas then my senior year of high school. Um, so no longer had that little area and, uh, didn't really think a bunch of it. You know, I was lucky enough. My parents joined a country club when we moved to, to Kansas. I think that was the only reason they were able to get me there. Um, and we, we experienced it that way. So I hadn't had anything for a long time, went through college, didn't play very much, you know, as much as any other, you know, golf fanatic that went to college played whenever we could scrounge up the money to, right. to do it, we would go out. But, um, the minute that I graduated, I moved in with my good buddy, Zach Bruff. Him and I were roommates for two years at the end of college, and he's from Kansas City, Kansas. So um, I was working in Overland Park, Kansas, which is about 20 minutes south, but a fun little piece of property that we had gone to a bunch of times while we were in college to get away from the hustle and bustle of the you know downtown environment. Mm-hmm. We'd go out, we'd um, you know, he kind of had free reign of the property. Um, he, he was able to do whatever he needed to, uh, his, his father, unfortunately had passed away and, um, he had to go back most weekends during the summer to mow and just take care of the property. I mean, it's, it's three, three and a half acres, as you had mentioned. So it was a, a big thing for his mom to have to manage. So, um, he would go back, we'd go back with them. We'd ride four wheelers. We'd, you know, go hike in the woods and, and do all this other stuff. So we were very familiar with the property. He, um, his mom ended up moving to more of a, a neighborhood type environment and left Zach with the house to kind of do as he pleased. So he, he allowed me uh, to come in and, and move with them, uh, move in with them, um, had a little bedroom there. It was great. And I just wanted to uh, find a place where I could hit some golf shots. I didn't have any money. I didn't, there was no range anywhere nearby. Um, didn't know what I was going to do. All I know is I wanted to continue playing golf and, you know, really work to, to get back into it. So, um, we went out there one day and again, Zach is, is the best guy ever. I mean, he, he is not passionate at all about golf. He doesn't know anything about golf. He hadn't swung a golf club previous and was just like, yeah, man, you want to take down that 60 year old Oak tree in the middle of my yard. So you have a hundred yard shot, like by all means, let's do it. Right. <laughs> so we went out there with the chainsaw and just knocked it down. Um, I had built these little, you know, equivalent to like kids sandboxes using, um, some two by sixes and stuff and, and just built these little push up tee box areas. I bought a, an expensive mat. So I was invested, right? I spent <laughs> my 300 bucks on a, on a little mat. 
Um, and, and then that's how I started to get into golf course architecture. Again, I didn't know that it was golf course architecture at the time. I didn't know that I had been messing with golf course architecture my entire life. Um, but I just go out there and I would, um, try to make it look like a golf hole. That's all I was trying to do in my mind. Like, let's have this look like a golf hole. I'm going to put a bunker here, make it a little bit more challenging, right? Still have the ability to, you know, move the flag and hit different, different, um, shot lengths and stuff like that. But I was sculpting this area with, with a lawnmower every single day. And I just really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the ritual of getting home from work, changing into my, you know, work or my outdoor work clothes, whatever, and mowing the greens. And I mean, this is like long grass, right. two inches high, right? And at this there's point, it's just the, you, right? I mean, there's no, this yeah, isn't for anybody else but you. And there was absolutely no expectation of anything further than that. This was like 2015. Um, so yeah, but I, I just continued to mow it. I continued to do the ritual of it. I, I loved it. Um, you know, we'd take pictures and joke and send it to our friends. And then, then our friends started to want to like come over and do it with us and, and come over on the weekends, bring a case of beer. We'd just be firing down Bud Lights while we'd hit wedges all day. And that was just what we did. We'd, you know, turn the grill on and, and do that whole thing. So it became this like meeting place for all of our friends that had kind of distributed around the, the city after college. So, um, that was great. That was fantastic. Did that through 2016, ended up buying a house and, and moving about 30 minutes away. Um, with my now wife to uh, to downtown Kansas City area. So um, nothing really in 2017. And, and then 2018, um, you know, I'd still go over from time to time just to hit the shots and to, to you know, cut the grass to keep it, keep it going, I guess. Right. Um, but nothing crazy. And yeah, and then 2018, you know, I'd, I'd been three years into my job. I had seen some immediate success. Uh, and then just hit a brick wall, both motivationally. What am I doing with my life? I never envisioned myself in this role. Like it's not advancing as fast as, or as fast and as aggressively as I had initially thought. Um, and then this little thing called the refuge uh, was released <laughs> from no laying up. So it's their, their message board. And, you know, I was pretty deep into no laying up at that time. Um, in the fried egg, you know, that was getting all my architecture stuff. I, I'm pretty eyes wide open when it came to like playing surfaces and how they impact your fun and enjoyment of a golf course. Frankly, never thought of a golf course as anything other than something that I wanted to attack and beat. Right. Um, and, and kind of learning and understanding that there's other ways to experience golf and to experience uh, um, different shots, the thrill of, of a really nice golf hole, all that stuff just really, really resonated with me. Um, so continued posting. Uh, it was pretty, you know, fairly quiet compared to what it is now at that time. So like if you had an idea, if you had anything, start a thread and go crazy. Right? Right. Um, so Zach was actually working for a solar installer at the time. He had gotten a really good deal on solar panels um, to install in his home. So this is, you know, 2018. And in order to do that, he needed to take down a significant amount of trees, specifically around the his house uh, where the panels would go. So he had a, a large, large, large project of, you know, a tree company coming in and taking down this, these trees that had se severely overgrown, but uh, were very large and, and very ominous over the house. So that happened. And when he was doing that, I kind of looked at him and was like, man, if we take down like this one more tree, if you can get them to go into the, the field, then take this one more tree. We might have like a second shot and we could open up a bunch of different tea boxes and that would be cool. Right. And he's like, yeah, sure, man. I mean, they're already coming and got them for two days. So whatever needs to happen can happen. So it's like, great, let's, let's drop them. Right. So we go out there, we marked them up. I need you to drop these trees as well. 
And at that point, I had started a thread on on the refuge of like, hey, this is what me and my friends have done. This has been a really fun thing for me. I'd like to like to go one step further. I'd like to, you know, make another green so you can play it back and forth. Or um, initially, it was just keeping that same green, but having like six or seven different tee boxes of varying um, heights, uh, you know, drop shot, an uphill shot, a uh, 120 yard shot, a 40 yard shot, right? And just thinking, hey, maybe we can continue to advance this green area, open up a couple different corridors and have a bunch of different shots and we can kind of, you know, just roam around and have fun. So that was the initial plan. Drum roll. It got <laughs> way bigger than that. So we we started posting, kept going down. We got that initial process done of the tree removal. Um, they ended up just throwing all these trees in the middle of the field and we just lit them on fire. Right. <laughs> so it was a, a massive, massive feat um, initially. And that was just the beginning. So I started going out there and actually like plotting stuff on the property. Like this could be a green, this would work, this would work. And honestly, it just became a little puzzle that fell together. And every Monday I would get absolutely ecstatic and so, so, so uh, looking forward to posting whatever progress we had made. Um, so this was how I like got through work, right? I would just be concepting different ideas. I'd been around the property a million times and it's just like thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, um, and seeing what we could do. So I just kept, kept throwing up some different ideas. I would steal some like aerial pictures off of Google of some greens that I was inspired by, throw them down on a, a topography map and would post them up on the, th- on the, on the refuge, on the thread. And people would continue to you know, feed me with what I needed at the time, which was motivation and just a, um, a feeling of like, Hey, this is actually cool. This makes sense. Um, and then, you know, again, this is going to come off bad, but the butt club stuff started going on. So the butt club was this imaginary golf course in Utah. That was going to be great. And they were selling merch and it was awesome. And then come to find out like it just wasn't going to happen in, in Utah. Um, so, you know, I was, I was a big fan of the butt club stuff and I, I still am. Um, but I was a little bit like, ah, that, that's disheartening, right? Like I, I was looking for the sure, merch. Sure. I was excited to support. I couldn't wait to see the progress of the, the um, course being built, all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? Zach Blair, he, he had something here. What he did is he, he built like a, a community of rabid fans of, of something that doesn't necessarily exist uh, of an idea. And that just like kind of made sense to me because we had this physical thing that like with enough effort, enough time, enough focus, we actually could do something and we could do it now. Um, but most importantly, like we could build a community around people that think that golf can be viewed and experienced in different ways. And, you know, for the people that think golf should be fun, right? This is, this is what I want to want to do and, and make it. So, you know, you've never played before. I got a place for you to come play. You played a bunch. I've got a place for you to come play. You remember at a pi- private course, you're more than welcome at mine as well. You've never even considered that. You're very welcome here as well. So just continued that that kind of process or idea um, it was just, just I couldn't get rid of it. So we continued to, to push forward. Um, we started thinking of things like, you know, names of the golf course and all these other things to make it, um, you know, make this make-believe golf course a little bit more real. And, you know, people continued to, to support, right? We did a batch of, of hats or something like that and people bought them. And that was like, wow, we have some money now, right? It's 400 bucks or whatever. But like, <laughs> right. it was enough to be like, all right, you know, I'm a, a poor two years out of three years out of college kid. And now we have some money and like, they're taking this, um, 
kind of seriously. So hell yeah, we will too. So just continued going and um, finally created a final like vision, final idea of what I thought I wanted to move forward with uh, on the golf course. And um, you know, we, we, we did it. It took, it took about a full year to clear the property. It was pretty much just all forest land. Um, besides that, that small area in the the field, um, that I've referenced. And, um, we went out there, I went out there every day after work. My, my wife at the time was a, uh, pharmacist at a, um, at a retail pharmacy. So she had to work some unfortunate hours, right? She'd go right. in at noon and, and get back at nine and stuff like that. So on those days I was out there right after work, I bring my stuff, go right out there and do whatever I could to, to keep it keep it moving. So it took about 1400 man hours and we were able to clear the whole property, um, and, and prepare for sod. And, you know, kind of in the meantime, during the winter, cause we did a lot of it during the winter, um, the leaves were off the trees, just a little bit easier. We were also, you know, selling a bunch of merch. We started to go fund me. We started this concept of like a membership, um, free membership, free for anyone to join. Right. At the end of the day, it was pretty much just like sign up for our newsletter so we can keep you informed. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's a membership, right? If you believe in us, sign up here. And, you know, if and when it makes sense, like you're more than welcome to come play. Um, so it just just continued to snowball. We ended up raising about twenty five thousand dollars on uh, on GoFundMe, which was was incredible. Which we we were thinking, you know, we had different tiers, right? If we made, if we found eight thousand bucks, we could like have a golf course. It'd probably take an additional year. Um, if we had fifteen, like we thought we could get it done, and we ended up getting twenty five, and um, we needed every single one of those dollars. But uh, yeah, ended up doing it and started, you know, shaping greens. Um, had a tough, tough spring. So our, our turf got pushed back about two months, but, um, continue to maintain it, continue to you know, bring it towards the community, to the community, right. In ways of like video and Instagram and just stuff like that to keep people, um, you know, to keep people abreast of what the heck we're doing, you know, what they signed up for, what they gave us money for. Um, I think what it ended up being was like, we were doing something aspirational for a lot of people sure right? we were we were doing something that i think many many golfers think about like oh look at that piece of property as they're driving down the the road like god that would be a sweet par four or whatever right we were actually doing it in real life which was was awesome and it was very very great to feel all that support and all the um the effort from everyone else that that's not just us out there sweating um you know push it forward so that's that's what we did and then 2019 i think it was um August 1st, we had turf laid and technically had a golf course, but you know, that was really just the beginning. So now all the maintenance came and, um, had to learn everything. We didn't know anything. We absolutely nothing. None of us are, are turf grass people. None of us are, are trained in any sort of way from a golf course construction perspective. And we just asked a lot of questions, read a lot of online articles, watched a lot of YouTube channels and, and we made it work. So, um, yeah. And then our first round was that late August, uh, 2019 with with Tom Coyne when he was on his um, trip across America for his his newest book, uh, a course called America. So that was our initial round. So um, from there, it's just been a a it's been a a wild wild ride. Um, it's been a process. We've gotten hundreds of people, hundreds of rounds of golf out there. We've done a lot of charity events. Um, we've supported our local community. We've supported our high schools. They've come out for practice a bunch, um, and, and we've you know had a really really 
good time with it. So um, that kind of brings us up to, to today. I mean, there's a lot of other things that have gone into it, highs, lows, all that stuff, but uh, it's kind of the inception of the golf course and, and what uh, what's brought us to, to now. Well, you, you know, you talk about that, you know, every golfer has uh drove by a piece of property. You're like, Oh, it'd be really cool if I had something in my backyard or, you know, I wonder how I could do that. I mean, that feels like how it all got going and snowballing is, they, that idea combined with um, the refuge, you know, an avid uh, community of avid golfers getting behind it um, really was the special special sauce of, of getting it off the ground. So let's talk some specifics uh, on the course itself. Just talk through a few holes. We don't we won't go. There are seven holes, but uh, we won't go hole by hole. Um uh, if I'm not mistaken, the original hole was what is now known as the road hole, correct? It kind of plays from uh, right. kind of back behind uh, the big red barn out towards um, the, what I would describe as kind of a rural country road. Um, so that being the first hole that in existence, like um, give us an idea of kind of the improvements that you made to it and ultimately how it got its name. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, back in 2018, 2019, I was very into template holes, just sure. the concept of yeah. them. I think it was the easiest way to like explain architecture to people. Um, and naturally they're fun and, and cool to play. So I wanted to be somewhat distinct in, in that, like, I'm going to take this template concept and put, you know, my spin on it or what the ground says um, spin onto it. So it is the number two, the original hole. It was pretty much, it was about half the size previously. And again, it was just cutting just whatever grass was there. It was like the green, the green itself was half the size that it is now. Correct. Yes. So we, we really, we really took on, we had that bunker on that hole previously. It was significantly smaller. It was shaped a little bit differently. And it was like, you know what? This is like actually a real road hole. There's a freaking road behind it. Like, (laughs) let's just go all in on, on the road hole concept, you know, 17 at, at, uh, St. Andrew's old course for those that are, are unsure is kind of what the, the model for it was. So we expanded the bunker, made it more like circular. Um, it's definitely not a, um, you know, links style bunker, but it's, it's, um, it's circular and, and to the eye, when you're looking at it from the T, it kind of gives that same feel of like bisecting the green a little bit. Um, so yeah, there's two like wings that kind of branch out on either side of the bump uh, of that bunker. Um, and it sits a little bit catty corner to the the T, um, so it's 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 an interesting hole. It's it's probably one of it's one of the more challenging holes because a little uphill, about 115 yards, and you got to just carry the bunker, and and you can't you can't hit a 125 or you're going to get the mega bounce off the actual street. <laughs> right, yeah, and into the into the uh, adjacent neighbor's front yard, uh, yes. <laughs> if you really get if you really get uh, wild with one. And uh, for those who, uh, when we by the time we post this, we'll actually throw up the routing on our Twitter account, so uh, listeners can kind of have a visual of some of these. Sweet. So that's kind of the original hole. the The other one that that really stands out to me, both frankly the name of it and um, just in the, I guess the shot value that is created is uh, Punchbowl Beer. It's Pandemonium. I think I have that right. I'm doing this somewhat by memory. You do okay. Uh, do. That's a great memory because well, I, I I totally forget that one a lot. I call it the PBPB or something like that. So so talk us through uh, Punchbowl Beer. It's pandemonium, kind of where it sits on the property and, and the design features around it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I think most people are surprised about when they get to BCN is the significant amount of, of land movement that we have out there. Right. Um, the field itself is extremely flat, but we have a ridge that um, juts up on the backside of the property um, over 30 feet. So it's significant and it's sharp. Um, so when we were doing the routing, again, it was like a little, little puzzle for me, right? It's like two has to that's gotta be a hole. It's our longest, probably best hole, um, you know, to the general eye, uh, out there. So it's like, what, what's next. Right. And the only way to maximize this little three acre piece of property is to then go kind of back towards the, uh, the tee box, but go across the Creek, um, and have that, that third hole, which just, again, I am by no means an architect. I did not, um, create a lot of these landing areas they were just there they they i we knocked down the stuff i'm like god that's just the perfect size for what we're trying to do right here gotta be a green right so number four was the one that we had to you know we had to sprinkle our special special sauce on it uh (laughs) to make it something because in that corner of the property it's right where the driveway and the uh road meet it comes down uh pretty severely pretty sharply about five or six feet um, right there in that corner. So it's like, all right, well, that's, you know, that's not pinnable as it sits right now. So we ended up trucking in uh, about 10 tons of dirt and sand, and we created what we call a Buritz punch bowl concept. Now it's, it's kind of the inverse of a, a Buritz where, um, it's almost more of like a double plateau where there's like two distinct tiers right uh, with a hump in the middle that goes up as opposed to you know down in the ditch um, but it's got that same like long slender look as a, a buritz um, concept and then the very very back we use that ridge coming down from the driveway and made it a little bit more spoon shaped so it would actually catch balls and and bring it back down to that that upper tier um, on that green so very very fun hole it's the hole that we've far and away had the most hole in ones i think we've had four um including DJ's one from the wild world of golf where it sat on <laughs> the lip for 12 minutes before yeah. I decided to fall in. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of the invention there. Um, it's actually, it's actually fun how well it came out because it's, it's one of those things where like, you know, it plays 85 yards to the pin, 87, to, sorry, um, 87 to the top of the um, top of the ridge and 89 you're like dead totally dead right there's plenty of grass up there you can you can you know land a ball up there but um getting one to stop next to the hole is is going to be a a feat sure um so it's actually fun just how how things didn't really think about like oh what if people go long how you know how's it going to play but it's like it plays great right you have to take on the risk and if you don't like good luck man yeah Uh, or if you if you take it on and you don't execute like good luck um so it's fun how some of those things kind of ended up working out yeah, and you're right about like the, there's just several spots out there that just are scream to put a green on, and then that one is one that you know is you know, probably the most um, manufactured, for lack of a better word, but also provides just a great amount of fun and excitement. And uh, what Ben's referencing with the uh, Wild World of Golf series, if you Google that on YouTube, you will find uh, actually Pruff Creek National in about uh probably like. 50 minute, it kind of, I don't know, hour long, pretty long long, uh, video where the no laying up boys uh, take on Bruff Creek National. Um, Again, if you want to get some visuals to go along uh, with the podcast medium here, 
I want to nerd out for a second, and this is, you know, this may be where we lose some of our folks because, you know, I don't know how many golf, true golf turf nerds there are, but (laughs) talk us through grass types, right? So even though, you know, we're based here in Oklahoma City, have a lot of Kansas listeners, have a lot of Texas listeners, uh, pretty different grass types when you get just a little bit further north. So so talk us through that, like what existed um, in its, you know, infancy, and then what you brought in, the sod you laid, green grass, the greens grass, uh, et cetera. Yeah, 100%. So we're going to go deep into the, the nerd zone right off the bat <laughs> here. So Kansas City is in what is called the transition zone. So that basically means that um, the world's your oyster and also nothing is going to be very good. It, 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 meaning that warm season grass, your Bermudas, um, that type of stuff will do well, but for six months of the year, it's going to be completely dormant and, and totally useless. Uh, you know, it's not going to grow. It's going to just sit in its current form. Then you have your Northern grasses, your, you know, turf type tall fescues, that, that type of stuff that you'd see in your, you know, Midwestern, uh, yard, for back, lack of a better way to, to describe it um, as, as like the, you know, longer rough style stuff. Um, but both do well in, in, you know, different times of the year. So middle of the summer, that cool season grass, tough. It's going to be really tough to hold on to um, where, you know, in the, the fall, spring, uh, even through the winter, cause it does stay pretty warm here. Um, that stuff's going to thrive and the, you know, warm season stuff is going to be completely dormant, not doing anything totally brown. So that is the deal that, that we're, we're working with. And I I knew that and a lot of the people that I had talked to and, and worked with um, in, in deciding the grass types and such uh, continued to mention that. And I was like, guys, it's, it's fine. I go to all the golf courses out here and this is the, you know, these are the two <laughs> types of grasses they use and it's fine. Well, you know, come to find out you need a lot of inputs um, water, chemicals, all that stuff to, to keep both of them in good shape all year long. Um, so what we decided to do um, is is go a little bit different and try something a little bit unique, right? Again, we are not experts. We are not trained in any of this. So what can we do that is, you know, has the least likelihood of us totally screwing it up? And for us, that was doing zoysia grass, Meyer zoysia, on the greens and tee boxes. So all your playing surfaces are going to be Meyer zoysia, which is a warm season grass. Um, it's a little bit thicker of a blade. You wouldn't see it as a, a green uh, anywhere else besides BCN, I, I would imagine. Right. Um, and then doing a turf type tall fescue uh, for all the surrounds, all the you know rough areas. So uh, what it was before was pretty much nothing. I mean, it was, it was dirt. It was forest land. It was overgrowth. It was... Um, not much of anything. So we were kind of starting from scratch, which was good, but also took us like two years to establish anything that was, was worth something. So, um, that's what we decided to do. And, and it's, you know, I think I might do something a little bit different if we were to retry, but at the end of the day, it's really worked out great. We know how to manage those grasses. They don't screw up too much. Um, we just have to have a lot of tolerance. Like right now, the cold season's like super burnt out. There's a lot of crabgrass out there, um, but we have coverage and that's all we care about. We can go play. So um, we do the best with what we got and, and that's kind of what we got. And we've uh, we've come a long, 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 long way with it. Well, I think that's another thing that's important for folks who don't know anything about it or certainly haven't been there um, in terms of, you know, talking about the greens being zoysia grass, something you wouldn't see anywhere else. G- give the folks a sense of, uh, you know, mo heights, for lack of a better term, on the greens or like what they're, st- you know, a lot of 
even neophytes know about stem meters. So right. just give folks a sense of uh, how, how the greens uh, are maintained there at PCN. Yeah, 100%. So it's it's non-traditional, right? The idea was, um, you know, when you travel to some of these courses or see some of these places, like the green surrounds are, oh, they're as good as greens. These tee boxes are as good as greens. It's like, well, hell, why don't we just try that, right? So yeah. that was kind of the concept. And right now we're mowing our zoysia at uh, 0.4 inches, which is actually a little bit lower than what we initially anticipated, which is great. It means we've been top dressing. Um and uh, they, they stimp around six and a half when they're rolling nicely. So they are not fast, but if you ever played that game on a tee box where you're trying to hit the, you know, hit the tee marker yep, or whatever, yep. that's kind of what you like a nicely, nicely mown, well taken care of. That's pretty much what we're, we're working with. So um, it, it takes some time, takes some effort to get to know. It's about half of what your like public course or excuse me, your private course would, would stimp at. Um but it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't detract at all. Once you get used to it, once you figure it out, um, there's never a time, uh, at least for me when I'm out there, where if I hit a good putt, it doesn't go in the hole. Um, it's just, you just got to learn how to, to pace them. Sure. Yeah, I love it. And I, that's definitely the case. So having been there, uh, it just takes a little bit of time to get used to, and then it's just like normal golf. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned there's been four hole-in-ones on the punch bowl beer it's how many have you lost track of how many total hole-in-ones no we have five there's they're all on you know the punch bowl pandemonium hole and and then we have one other one that was on number six the redan hole okay. uh, very uphill 65 yard shot uh with a big kicker that moves the ball right to left and uh yeah good buddy of mine ben lippold um after an event he was just doing some free play and and made it so yeah it. it's doable so five total hole in ones and then uh have we kept track of the course record at bc and, and if so who who shot it what is it and who shot it yes of course we have that's <laughs> that's the whole point of going out there um so it is uh total score of 18 so it's three under for the seven holes oh gosh. and it's been shot uh, four times. Um, it's been shot three times by yours truly, and one time by a, a local uh, pro, um, Andy Staples. Um, he came out, and and that included a hole in one. Wow! Wow! So, uh, so really, Andy Staples. We could we could say is a standalone because the guy that created it and you know plays has played there more than anyone. I'm not so sure that you can you know maybe the initial <laughs> course record. Do I get it? But uh, we may have a, an asterisk by yours, Benny. Hey, um, so I kind of, kind of sort of last question about BCN you, and you mentioned this earlier every, most every golfer has dreamed about this or at least had a passing thought of I'd like to create something what would that look like what would you tell somebody um, who thinks that they want to design their own course or build something in their backyard or on their property what's what's the one thing you would you would tell them and if we'll call it in encouraging them yeah um do it, be willing to fail, be willing to fail a lot. Uh, that's, I mean, I, I feel like that's the only advice I ever have for anybody in any sort of business capacity or, uh, or otherwise, but this, this specifically, it's really hard work. It's extremely rewarding because there's changes every time you go out there and there's changes uh, that occur naturally with the grasses and, and um, aging of stuff. And it's very, very fun to see things change, uh, move, shake and, and advance. So, I would say, you know, if you're ever curious about doing it, try it, you know, definitely try it. Be willing to fail. You're not going to get it right the first time. 
every place. I'm sure you can talk to any super in the world. Um, every green, it's likely going to be different. Uh, it's going to need different things. It's going to require different, um, different inputs and, and outputs, et cetera. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that you gotta be willing to try, gotta be willing to fail and, uh, you know, never, ever get down in the dumps. Cause at the end of the day, you're trying to do something that's very, very hard. You're trying to make something that, uh, as much as we'd like to say golf is this natural thing to get it to, you know, playing conditions, unless you have a huge tolerance and like knock your socks off. But if you're trying to get it to some certain level, um, just have a lot of patience and you'll, you'll get there. You, you will embrace the trial and error. So what I hear you say. Yes, exactly right. Uh, okay, well, a little bit of a crossover question between BCN, uh, before we get deep into kind of the no laying up uh, experience, uh, upcoming big event there at Bruff Creek National that I know you're working hard to get things dialed for is the uh, Roost Club Championship. Um, I will help everybody out and concisely describe roosts as made up golf clubs that are affiliated with no laying up just to kind of give folks a sense of what we're even talking about. Geographically Um, centric made up geographically centric made up golf clubs with just the right amount of seriousness. We all like to play serious golf, but we also know we don't want to take it too serious. The roost definitely most all of the roosts hit that sweet spot very nicely. So, um, I thought it was an awesome idea for the first ever Roost Club Championship um, to take place, at least partially, at Bruff Creek National. So give the folks just a little bit of a, again, we may have some Roost listeners who are fired up about it. We may have folks that have no clue what we're talking about, but a little, maybe a, a Roost Club Championship preview as it relates to uh, to BCN. Yeah, absolutely. So these made-up clubs um, are competing within regions. We have 10 different regions um, in the contiguous United States and Canada in a, a, um, an 11th region that's Great Britain and Ireland. So these clubs compete within themselves to find a, a team that is going to represent that roost at a regional event. Um, that's what like the season long golf is all about. From there, that team will go and compete against other roosts in their region. If they win that regional, they get an invite to the Roost Club Championship. So this is the inaugural one, and um, we're very, very excited to have it in Kansas City. Thought it was a centrally located place. We had done some content at the two places we were going, so it seemed like a a natural fit. Um, So, yes, the actual Roost Club Championship, it's going to be 64 holes of real golf, putting the ball in the hole, sharpen your pencils, boys. We're putting down scores (laughs) on scorecards. So um, that's, that's, I guess, Boys and, and gals, we got Casey, of course, coming to, to represent for Team Nolang Up. Um, and they are going to, um, you know, come to Kansas City and we are going to have a full weekend of, of hopefully really, really fun golf. So we're playing uh, Swope Memorial, which is a tilling hast here in Kansas City uh, public course. We rented out the golf course for a whole day. I'm going to play 36 holes out there and then we're going to come to BCN to ideally uh, crown the Roos Club champion. So we're going to continue the the matches for four more loops at BCN, and that's going to get us into a, a seeding um, process where the top four Roos after the you know initial cut is made will um, play match play at BCN to decide the uh, Roost Club champion this year. So, yes, very much looking forward to it, very much in the process. Been going out two, three times a week to BCN to get into good shape. 
You know, that's that's the one thing, JT, that's that's tough um, about BCN is being a par three, being a, a small, intimate place. Um, you know, we don't have tee boxes where people can go out and just absolutely rip them up day in and day out. Right. We wouldn't have any place for people to, to hit off of. Right. That was the biggest mistake. That's a, that's another piece of advice. Make your teeing grounds bigger if you actually want to use it. Yep. Um, so anyway, we've been pretty light on, on having people go out and play the last like month and a half, uh, just to prepare, get the tee boxes in really good shape and, and have the course in, in a good spot. So yeah, been out grinding, um, doing a bunch of top dressing. We're going to try and drop the, the mo height even a little bit further to, um, you know, get those championship conditions for the people traveling in from all across the world to, uh, to come check out BCN. Dude, amazing. Just again, uh, to, to not to, maybe we weave some more BC and stuff in here, but just an amazing journey to watch it. I was one of those people watching it, the progress on the message board. Um, I'm trying to remember, it was like your name of your thread was like armchair architect, you know, building yeah. a backyard course or something. Get it? Um, yeah, it was, it was right after the, um, golf digest content contest for, uh, mammoth dunes okay david mcclay right. kid had like a a request for hey armchair architects design a hole and we'll build it at mammoth dunes right so i was like oh that's a cool that's a fun fun name right we are we're all armchair architects let's 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 get them coming yeah, so, yeah. and for those who are not familiar with the refuge or just message words in general you know you can set it to where certain threads give you alerts when the new post and that was one like every time there'd be you know 12 new posts and it's like oh, i gotta go see what's going on so um <laughs> very cool to see it go from uh, from that to uh, hosting a, a big time event uh, put on by a big time golf media company. So let's talk some some no laying up. Um, I think that uh, no one would uh, argue that no laying up has become kind of the uh, the what we like to call the bell horse of the ball, which is a little bit of an inside joke in the the new age golf content media realm. My first question for you is how how did you personally find no laying up um, again before you you know long before you ever were employed by no laying up how did you how did you find NLU and um, and connect with it Yeah absolutely so one of my really really good buddies is from Chicago he had gone back to to Chicago to start working um, and in 2016 uh, when I was starting to you know be pretty vocal about loving and enjoying golf. He's a golf buddy too. So we talk about it all the time and whatnot. Um, he had stumbled across the, uh, the fried egg newsletter where it was basically just, you know, it says, and they still do it a little bit of a news dump and, and, you know, what's going on in, um, in the golf space that you'd get, I think at the time it was like weekly. Um, no. I don't think it was every day, but anyways, he stumbled across that and, uh, sent it to me and I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I, I, I like this. Um, and then they started to do podcasting, which I had never listened to a podcast one time ever. Um, never even considered it. And there was, it was like the sixth or seventh episode with uh, a college golfer. I think it was Nick Hardy, if I'm, I'm being honest. So I decided to fire it up and, um, check it out. And I was, was hooked on the concept of, you know, golf radio and <laughs> golf podcasting. <laughs> yeah. So I would listen every time that they would, um, they would post, uh, and I thought it was great. And then I, I just, I needed more. Right. So I, I just kept looking and I stumbled across no laying up and this was, you know, they would just been just taking it like to that next level. I, I think, um, they had this treasure trove of like 80 or 90 different podcasts that they had already had. I think Rory had just come on okay. and that was the first one I listened to. And I was like, Oh hell yeah, this is like 
stepping it up even another level. This is great. Um, so then, yeah. So then at that point from 2016 on, I was just a, a steady listener. That's just, um, what I did. And I continue to follow their journey. I followed their journey through, um, realizing this could be a full-time role for them, a full-time job, uh, a really fu- real functioning business. So I, I, that was a big piece of like motivation for me of like, Hey man, these guys are just, just some golf friends that do what I do with my buddies talking about golf and they've really done something out of it. So like, maybe there is something here for me. Like maybe if I do keep, uh, working, uh, towards something in golf, maybe somebody will notice me at the time. I didn't know what that was. Right. I, I just continued to like golf, continue to play a bunch, continue to, uh, be active in, in that, uh, that sphere. Um, yeah. And then the message board came out and that was like a, Holy crap. This is, I, I don't have to work. I don't have to do my work. I can just feed <laughs> threads about golf all day. This is great. Um, so yeah, so continued to, uh, to use that. And then finally decided to share my little project. Don't know why I didn't earlier, but, um, yeah, showed kind of what we had out there and wanted to, to continue to do stuff. And I was listening to fried egg just as much as no laying up. So the architecture stuff was huge. Um, you know, Taurus sauce had come out. So like the concept of going and seeing new golf courses sounded awesome. Uh, but I had no money. So like that wasn't a possibility. Um, so yeah, just continue to, to want to focus on architecture and, and do that type of stuff. Leverage that, that NLU message board to, uh, continue to dive even deeper and, and, you know, things continue to happen. Um, you know, we did it for two and a half years. I, I think that, you know, one thing I think that that was good about what we did is I never reached out for any help from them. You know, okay, I, yeah. I, I kind of kept it internal to their message board and like, just hoping, Hey, if we do something great, like they're going to see it, sure. they're going to figure this out. Sure. Like this is this, they're going to, they're going to come to us. I don't want to come to them asking for all this stuff. Like, you know, don't need any, any of that. Um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to scare them away or not think that I've, I've, you know, got the chops pretty, pretty big task to claim you're going to pull off, <laughs> um, beforehand. So, uh, when they saw that it continued to, to, you know, grow and continue to move in the right direction, they actually donated themselves to the the project to, to see it through, which was the first like kind of, um, experience of, of interacting with them in some way. And that was, was great. Um, but again, didn't really expect anything or do anything with that. Just, you know, very thankful, tried to do everything we could to, to make sure that they knew that how thankful we were for, for their support. So, um, yeah, ended up building the golf course, had it out there for, you know, about a year, year and a half. And, um, you know, kind of came to a head with, with my, my current job or my, excuse me, my previous job, um, where I, I had to get out. I had to find something else going on. There was some unsavory stuff going on there. Um, not to mention just not liking the work whatsoever. Um, and yeah, just, uh, an event occurred and it was just like, yo, I gotta do something. And, you know, in my mind the whole time I was like, I'm going to be like the no laying up guys. I'm going to work my butt off and somebody's going to see and something's going to come of it. Um, and, and, and it, and it did, I, I ended up finally reaching out to, to Tron specifically, uh, we kind of shared a little bit of my situation and the things that I had been dealing with, with, with work internally, um, in my desire to continue, you know, taking my passion to that next level, um, kind of just ask them, Hey, you know, I, I know you guys probably get these a lot, but I, I, if there's ever an opportunity, I'd love to do anything. You know, if there's one thing that I can tell you, uh, that I'll, I'll bring is, is a lot of effort and a lot of passion. We're going to figure it out. And, and that's kind of seemingly what they, they, you know, wanted to hear. Um, it was, is good that I had some work that had been done that kind of lined up with what no laying up does, you know, video oh, yeah. work, like the, yeah, social media sure. stuff, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Kind of uh, the best, uh, you know, uh, 
resume through um, something that was completely, you know, you know, um, I want to say selfless, just like something that you're working hard because it's your passion for no other, you know, we're not doing this to make money in terms of building this golf course. Uh, was a great way to show, you know, what you're capable of both on from a hard work standpoint, but then also that you uh, are running in those same circles without running in those circles. I thought was, was a big part of it. Right. For sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, and they, they kind of, you know, without knowing too, too much about me other than BCN and, and needing, needing a new job, they decided to offer me a, a couple month opportunity to, um, you know, to come hang out with them and, and do work and, and help support. Uh, so I was the, the intern for a while I was a 27 year old intern, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> But yeah, my, my wife was okay with it, you know, go ahead, let's see if something will come of it. And, um, you know, that three months was up and it was, it, it seemed to, seemed to make sense at that point that, uh, you know, there was a, a spot for me, um, on no laying ups team. I think that, uh, you know, Neil was pretty stretched thin, same with Tron. And, uh, I was able to, to support them quite a bit, uh, in the merch shop to start, um, and then actually doing video with DJ, uh, shooting video. It's, I can't imagine what those guys were going through and it was just the five of them. And they're trying to make a video about themselves <laughs> without right. someone to go shoot with them. So got to go on tour, South Oregon with them. And that was kind of the, uh, they're like, okay, yeah, this, this should probably work. So yeah, just continued then on in and, and here we are now. So two years later, two and a half. Well, you know, you've, you kind of thrown out a few of their names and for those that aren't familiar, kind of the, what I would call like the, the original um, five uh, guys of no laying up um, Solly, Tron, uh, DJ, um, Big Randy, and Neil. Again, um, we can you know, save the real names to protect the, the guilty, really. But, um, you know, being the sixth, you know, and really the first person not in that core five, I'm sure was an interesting variable. Um, you know, talk to me about that and talk to our folks about, you know, when you kind of uh, and I know that e each of them really had had different uh, evolutions of how they became to be full time uh, as and with no laying up. But being uh, the first one not in the in the core five, what, what was the uh, the vibe, or you know, just kind of what were your kind of mind your p's and q's around that? Yeah, one hundred percent, definitely mind in the p's and q's. I I will say, and I still struggle with this, JT. It's it's intimidating working for people that you look up to so fondly. Um, it's tough when, you know, I, I just think that they're all exceedingly capable, exceedingly smart, um, and, and also just very, very good for the golf industry. So jumping into that, you know, head first was intimidating, man. Like I still struggle with not being 100% myself around them. Cause I want to just like, make sure that, um, it's probably the wrong way to think about it, but like, just to make sure that, that, um, I can continue to be a part of, of what this is that, that, you know, they've built and, and we continue to build now together. Um, it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, you know, the old saying, don't meet your heroes. It, for me, it was the opposite. <laughs> it's like, I met my heroes and they were like better than what I expected them to be, you know, harder working. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes than I'd ever imagined. It was a lot more thoughtful, um, you know, so just, just wading through all that, understanding it, learning the business, learning media. I don't know media. I didn't do anything in, in that growing up or through college, whatever. So, um, just stepping into that new, new realm was, was intimidating. That's the only word that I can come up with, um, that I think suits it, but, um, you know, Hey, you don't grow unless you're uncomfortable. Right. We know that we know that for sure. And I think that is a decent segue for the, 
frankly, like the question that is at the foundation of wanting to get you on the pod and eventually, you know, maybe get the other guys uh, on the on our podcast is you, you and I get to spend a couple hours together um, during PGA Championship week up in Tulsa when you were there covering it, you know, for no laying up and, and got awesome to, event that you hosted. That was great. <laughs> got to play uh, under the lights at La Fortune Park. And I asked some version of this question to you. And so um, uh, I want to know, like, what is it like to, you know, be, or what does it feel like to be a genuine part of people's everyday lives? And what I mean by that is, you know, whether it's a podcast or a video series or a message board, um, you know, and hand up, like me among them, folks that, you know, you say meet your heroes, that this is like a day-to-day part of people's lives. I mean, multiple times a day, part of people's lives. And right. and um, and your and your followers, your listeners, your subscribers, et cetera, really view themselves as, as one of you guys. Um, just, uh, again, I don't want to get too uh, you know, warm and fuzzy, but what does that feel like to be a part of people's everyday lives, you know, most of whom that you've never met before? Yeah, that's a really good question. Kind of, kind of tough to unpack because I have a lot of different feelings towards it. Um, on one hand, it's like it's it's really it, it's it's fun to go up to someone or someone comes up to you and they're like, "Oh, are you whatever?" Yeah, yeah. Oh, great! I'm a huge fan. Cool. That's really fun. Like that's not something I ever thought I would experience in in my life for sure. Um, so I, you know, I'd be lying to say that I don't enjoy it. It's great. It's cool. Sure. Uh, but also. I've met so many people uh, through no laying up, through no laying up events, through the message board, through all that stuff. You, right? Like that have been people that are now like staple parts of my life, which is awesome. Like that, that's so, so cool. I, I can't imagine, um, you know, many people that have, you know, quote unquote friends all across the United States that yeah, are, yeah. Um, you know, intimately connected to what you do and, and, and you want to, you know, share that with them. Um, so that's, that's, that's great. Um, way, way, way more good experiences than, than bad. That is for sure. Uh, not even, not even close, but, um, yeah, you know, when you, when you say it like that, that, that's really, that's, I haven't, I don't think I've ever really thought of it that way, being a part of other people's lives every day. Um, but I, I think that is true. And I, I, I just hope that, um, you know, what we are providing is, is making people's lives better and gets them more connected to golf and you know what it all kind of comes down to i always think of my dad in these situations we moved a lot um my dad's friends are still his high school friends that live in raleigh north carolina or all over the united states right and he growing up like he just never really went out and like when we would go to north carolina he'd go see him like for sure but there was not much more than in those rare situations that we go see him. So the concept, the idea, the thought of using these online resources and using this uh, platform to build like lasting relationships and, and ideally help other people that are similar to my dad find friends that they can like hang out with, enjoy, talk the same stuff about, and, you know, have just like this natural ingrained conversation just because they're here um, already ready to go like that for me is that's how I want to treat it. And that's how I hope others, you know, treat that, that experience as well. I just, I I feel extremely, extremely privileged that, um, you know, making those friends is even one step 
easier than, than I don't have to put my, my neck out, right. Other right. people might have to do that, but I, I, I don't. And, um, you know, I just want to continue to, to feed those type of relationships and, you know, find someone that, you know, maybe struggling, maybe not, but help find their next best golf buddy. I mean, that, that that's like so, so cool. And I think that that's what, you know, these platforms and being a part of everybody's lives day in and day out, um, you know, where the true benefit lies, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I appreciate you unpacking that. It's something that's been on my mind for a while with, uh, with the no laying up crew. Well, uh, okay. Let's, let's kind of fill people's jelly jars here. Um, no laying up has taken you on all sorts of adventures. Uh, and again, like over really the past, like two years, right? I mean, it hasn't, it's not like it's been, you know, 10 years of, of doing this amazing right. places, fun events. Um, so I'll put you on the spot and ask you like what sticks out right as the best of the best so far that you have gotten to do, gotten to go, participate in, you name it, uh, that you wouldn't have ever gotten to otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So first off, I I would like to say like all of them. I mean, <laughs> I, I never would have experienced any many of of these experiences that I've got to experiences experience like from golf straight golf courses um to you know traveling to eating places all that stuff that that stuff really really fills up my tank and makes me feel like I'm doing something um that I truly truly love but a couple experiences that really really stick out first and foremost would be spending a full week with the Stanford women's golf team um in Palo Alto and then in um uh, Sacramento where they, they played a tournament and won and broke all the NCAA and school records. Uh, so just being a part of a truly elite team, I'm sure again, everybody here's a golfer. I'm sure they've envisioned what it'd be like to go play for Oklahoma state or something like that. Right. One of the real big dogs sure. and, and get that experience. And by the time I left, I, I legitimately felt like a part of the squad. I mean, I felt <laughs> like I was a part of Stanford women's golf team. And that was just an insane experience being around that level of talent, being around those, those people that are truly exceptional, not only in golf, but every form of, of life, uh, everything that they look at is, is, you know, right through the hoop. So just being around those level of people, seeing them succeed, seeing them have so much fun doing that, uh, and then building those relationships as they go on. And, and when the NCAAs, uh, this last year was, was, that's awesome. I still pinch myself every single day. You know, I have a little, little trophy room in my office of, of my golf successes. And one of the things I have in there is a handwritten note from their coach that she, that she wrote me, oh, wow. um, you know, after kind of just thanking us for, for spending time with them. And that's something I'm going to cherish forever. So, um, that's definitely, definitely number one. Um, number two would probably, probably be getting to, uh, play Inverness club, with uh, Pat Hurst, the Solheim Cup uh, captain for 2021 with uh, with Solly and Randy a um, couple weeks before the Solheim Cup uh, was to, to be played. So playing with somebody that's, you know, won a major and is now a Solheim <laughs> Cup captain, uh, telling her about uh, telling us about her, her strategy, what she expects out of the team, how they're going to play the golf course, all while playing an all all world golf course. Um, certainly we'll, we'll never, ever forget that. Got a couple of good ones. And, um, you know, that, that Stanford week, again, given a plug, go out there, Google, uh, Stanford golf, a week in the life, it'll pop right up on YouTube and you can, uh, enjoy it yourself. Uh, what Ben is talking about there. 
Uh, but I, I have no doubt that you and I could do like a three hour, like three parter on this. Easily, we, we are, easily. believe it or not, we have already been on for an hour and I want to be respectful of your time. And so we're going to, we're going to finish you off with a segment that we do with almost every guest that comes on. We uh, absolutely love a good short par four. So I'm going to tee up four, um, you know, rapid fire, if you will, questions. And uh, just give me the first thing that comes to mind. Um, again, short par four time here on the You're Still Out podcast. First question, teeing off. Tell us about your most recent round of golf. Okay, so I'm going to cheat just slightly on this. <laughs> I played this weekend, but the previous weekend was a member guest in my country club, and I had my good buddy Mike Wilhelm come down and play in the event. Um, Saturday was the final day. We were about middle of the pack in our flight, and we had to do some do some serious, serious work if we wanted to win our flight and go to the Derby. And we came out and we played absolutely lights out. We, we ended up, um, yeah, I'm sure you, you know, in the member guest stuff, it's all based on points and not nexus, not necessarily like winning or losing. Okay. Um, the match is like one point. If you win the whole half point, if you tie zero, points, oh, yeah. If, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you lose the whole, so, um, we had 14 and a half points going into the last day and we ended up collecting 15 and a half, um, over two matches to get into the Derby on a wild card, um, got into the Derby on the wild card, somehow made it through. Um, my buddy, Mike, it was all shot. My buddy, Mike hit a really nice wedge into about, uh, eight feet. Um, I made the putt in front of everybody, <laughs> huge fist bump, won the entire thing. Um, so that was huge. That Mem- felt awesome. Member guests. So you guys won your member guest. You were the champs. Yes. Oh my gosh. Big ass trophy. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even would have known that was going on if we wouldn't been trying to figure out a time to do this pod. So it's like, wow, worth <laughs> yes. it. Totally worth it. Uh, yes, and that, I assume uh, uh, M. Wilhelm of the Refuge is uh, one and the same. Yeah. Love it. I believe so. Love it. Okay. Second shot in on this short par four. Uh, who is the player on tour? And I suppose you could say any tour now, but who is the player on tour you love to root against? Oof. Gosh, there's there's a couple, and it's usually situational. Um, God, who do I love to root against? I laugh every time Sergio goes to hit a shot. Sergio <laughs> Garcia. Um, I just I can't take him seriously at all. Um, yeah, I'll stay with that. I I, I don't like I don't like Sergio Root against Sergio. Very nice, very nice. All sorts of reasons to do that. All right, uh, third shot here. Birdie putt on the short par four. You only have one more round of golf to play one last round of golf. I want to know where would you play it, but I do have a caveat. It has to be somewhere you have previously played. Yeah, totally fair. Um, I think the the obvious answer would be BCN, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, I, I would have to say sheep ranch. I, I don't think there's a better 18 hole walk mixed with compelling golf that I've seen. Best walking golf. I would, co-sign on that for sure all right we're tapping in for uh, maybe a disappointing par on the short par four but we're making a movie about the golf life of ben hoteling what famous golfer is going to play you in this movie so the golfer is the actor in this situation golfer is the actor Ooh, okay mm, i was gonna say shia labeouf but you know <laughs> he doesn't play golf um 
I would say the golfer that would play me. Oh man, I I would say like if Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas like melded together okay, and, and okay. had someone there, I think that that would be be good because I can be a little I can be a little cold and competitive like Brooks, but also like exceedingly fiery like JT um, as well. So, oh god. I would like to say I would like to say JT. I think I think him and I's game are are you know somewhat similar. Uh, long off the tee, um, good wedge game, and and you know when you roll it, you shoot a good score. When you don't, yeah, it's kind of average. Fair enough. Fair enough. That would be yeah uh, a good representation for sure. I've seen enough of your golf to know that that uh, that would be spot on. <laughs> All right, bud. Uh, God, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on with us. Um, we, no way. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we've been uh, kind of admiring what you've been doing from afar for a long time. Again, I get to go up and, and see it personally at BCN and then obviously keeping up with you at Nolling Up. Um, but give a couple of plugs. One, how folks, if they saw fit, could get involved at Bruff Creek National. And then uh, maybe just a plug for you personally out on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us on on Twitter, which would be the best way to get involved with BCN at Some Guys Backyard. I would just I would just Google it because our actual handle um, is Some Guys Backyard. It's too long apparently for Twitter. So there's a little little interesting um, gymnastics we did at the end of the handle. But Google Some Guys Backyard Twitter, you'll find us. Um, Instagram same at Some Guys Backyard. Me personally, I am B Hotailing Seven on on Instagram, where you can keep up with my no laying up antics. Um, don't do a lot with, uh, with the golf course there personally, but, uh, yeah, all my, my travels, I try to, to document there. Awesome. Well, I can tell you it would be well worth your time to check out both Bruff Creek national and obviously everything that no laying up is doing. Uh, we know that a few folks will be listening to this specifically because Ben's associated with it. Thanks for listening. I would love you to get involved with our Twitter and Instagram pages, both, are at YSO Golf, at YSO Golf, both on Twitter and Instagram. We are getting into uh, excellent, excellent golf weather. Can't encourage you enough to get out to your local Muni, maybe even get up to BCN, and certainly when you do, enjoy the walk. Oh,